This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, Ottawa says the price of food is going down, but is that accurate? Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, researcher and professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University, helps us understand the updated Canada Food Price Index from Stats Canada and how there's a reason why Dalhousie is going to make their own. The Shift AV Club, we review horror movies, uh, Get Out, and Monsters, Inc. Not really a horror movie, but that's so we all can watch. Nutritionist Alyssa B. shares her Halloween recipes and tips on how to stay healthy despite the swarm of candy and sugar coming our way. You can also get those at the Facebook group. And are you okay with Florida men battling it out in competition? How about skeletons? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, we've seen this before, moving the goalposts. What does moving the goalposts mean? It means when you're basically in some sort of agreement with somebody and they change the goal line. They just kind of move it. I've noticed a bit of a pattern going on. I first noticed it with Environment Canada. Now, the current government has changed the name of Environment Canada to be Environment and Climate Change Canada. That's right. So nothing like deeply weaving in an agenda into a name so it sticks around. Now, I'm not saying climate change is not real. I'm just saying that this government's view on it is very, very agenda-driven. We all need to be more responsible about the world we live in so our kids have a nice place to live in too. But I'm starting to see more patterns because inside the history of weather, one of the arguments was is that there's just no evidence for some of the things that some people claim. Well, then if you start changing the history and the measurement stick, you're moving the goalposts. Dr. Sylvain Charlebois is with the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie. And he posted uh, some links and info on LinkedIn that I noticed about some pricing things around food. And I went, wait a second, this looks an awful lot like somebody's moving the goalposts again. And it seems to always happen when politically things are not going your way. You don't have to change the narrative today. Just change the comparison of the past. Sylvain, am I wildly off with that? Or do you feel like this is what's happening in this food price thing? Eh, I mean, I I think it ought off, Shane. It's just, you know, I've testified in Ottawa like 18 times. I, it was my 18th time last week. And uh, you can feel they're listening. I mean, they're they're clearly listening. All parties are listening, uh, which is interesting. Uh, we do have a minority government. It, it really didn't show until this year. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, typically, you do have a weaker government right now, and um, and they're willing to do business exactly. <laughs> for the first time in a while. I mean, f- fi- the finance the finance committee is 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 a weird one because uh, I've testified before health. Uh, technology, ag, most of the time was with ag and, and finance. And uh, I must say with finance, it can go in many different directions. But you can tell that really most MPs were trying to control the cost of living narrative. And as an academic, as a validator of information, that's what you are when you're an academic around that table. You're, you're, I, I was kind of weaponized a little bit, and that's fine. I'm, I was willing to play the game uh, by both the liberals and the conservatives, uh, to be honest. Uh, but I, but it was, but it, I, I did see that both 
both sides were trying to control the narrative as much as possible mm-hmm. on the cost of living. And uh, it was really it was really interesting because, uh, of course, other witnesses always come in and say, we're good at this, we're great at that. I don't do that stuff. I just go in and say, these are the things you need to think about. These are the things you may want to do to help mm-hmm. you and Canadians. And uh, it resonated. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people felt that these uh, suggestions were easy to implement, uh, not very costly. It made sense. Um, I know by working with the Minister Champagne, he's he's looking for solutions, uh, but he's pointing at the wrong people. Uh, grocers yeah. aren't the ones who are going to provide him with solutions. I think the government should provide uh, Canadians with solutions uh, itself. Yeah, well, and maybe some structures for the some different structures for the businesses to work inside. I mean, I always struggle with um, you know that that top down, hands on, oppressive thumb notion that governments should just fix everything. But if they create some structures that level the playing field and create competition and force everybody to be better businesses, we've seen data that's come out that I don't have in front of me, but I'll do it from recall that said that with less competition, prices have gone up and so have profits, and it's not been something that the Canadian government has made easier to do in some industry, which is create business, move business to Canada or create competition because the biggies get bigger and it's harder and harder and harder to do that. So I really hear that with what you're saying. Now you had shared with food. um, Bacon was one of the examples you posted on the LinkedIn. Um, There's two different different graph lines, right? There's like a (laughs) graph. So imagine this for everyone who's listening, who hasn't seen the graph, like there's a a natural graph that goes up over the course of time for the price of products. And it's going to go up and down and up and down and up and down, but it's just going to naturally get a little bit higher over the course of time. Bacon was a pretty consistent, I mean, it was up and down, but it was pretty consistent, I think on its diagonal trajectory on that chart. But then there was this new line of pricing that did not align with the old line and someone moved the measuring stick. What happened there? Coincidentally, it, that new new line is below the other line. Yeah, well, uh, hey, by the way, it's not as expensive as you think it is. Here's right. the new history. Well, right? I, I have to I have to thank my one of my PhD students for, for that, Stacey Taylor. She was actually she, she was grinding all the data because uh, we are in the middle of uh, of uh, prep season for Canada's food price report, so we're basically in it right now. Every day we're looking at data, and of course, since this Canada is is an ally, a few last year they created a new database, basically. And so, when they create a new database, they probably came up with a new methodology to assess uh, prices. Uh, but instead of starting the database in 2022, they went back and applied the methodology back to 2017. So the two databases overlap with each other for five years, from 2017 to 2022, only to realize that data sets are completely different. So yes, if you look at, say, November 2021, Statistics Canada right now will tell you that there are two different prices of bacon in Canada, and not just for bacon. Out of 44 products, 17 had discrepancies, 17. Yeah. And out of yeah. 17, 14 of them were below now, were, were lower than yeah. the old database. Now, I'm not suggesting that Sysis Canada is doing anything with the data or has an agenda at all, uh, but I do think that some people are thinking that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, well, could I am. be thinking that. Yeah, I am. So the uh, <laughs> let me put. It, I'll just throw it out there. Well, no, because we've seen this before. We've seen it with other things. We've seen it. Seen it with the interpretation of weather data. We've seen it with. We've seen it with culture. We've seen it with language in this country. We've seen it over and over and over again that there seems to be this magical way that when the narrative isn't great. This is totally conspiracy on my part. I have no evidence other than observation to back this up. And it seems to be a pattern of this is not working. Maybe we just need to interpret this differently. Many people would call that propaganda and marketing. And so there seems to be this thing. Now, what happened in this particular case is you go back these five years and the discrepancy is rather substantial on a piece of paper. Like it's not like they intersect and, you know, it... They, they cross over one another and it creates a bit of a mean in the data where people can look at that median price and go, okay, well, you know, okay, that makes sense. You know, it was more here and it's less there or whatever. This is drastically different. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's, the narrative, 25%, 25% yeah, is a lot. The narrative today, it, without a doubt, it works in, it works in the favor of the government to soften the blow that by the way, it's not costing you as much money as we used to think it did. Um, so how, but how does this happen really? Because I don't believe statistics Canada. I mean, they are supposed to be about the number. That's just it. I mean, they surveyed a thousand people and 771 said yes or no. I mean, that's, it's supposed to be demographics, not interpretation and psychographics though. Exactly. And so I am concerned about, uh, about, uh, the validity of the data itself. We use it all the time. And so we constantly say, we know it's this is Canada. However, so it's just an indicator for us. That's all it is. But that's all we got in Canada. We fly in the dark with data, mm-hmm. unlike the U.S., where, frankly, I mean, there's lots going on there. You can actually rely on tons of things, and and that's why, as a lab, we made a decision about six months ago to invest in a tool. So we're developing our own tool to actually get the real data on pricing across the country, uh, and hopefully, we'll get to a good place in a few months from now by checking ourselves what exactly is going on with prices and perhaps perhaps compare what we see with what Statistics Canada is telling us. Mm -hmm. Well, and that to me seems like when the same guy who runs the political party, who runs the country, who probably has somebody on speed dial that can make a phone call that says, hey, this is an ugly narrative. I want a new narrative. It's all under the same flag and the same banner with the same letterhead. Now, or at least similar letterhead. Yep. The um, the but if you have an independent party, well, then that's different, right? Um, and you know, I mean, you've shared with me as an academic, you have to declare when an organization contributes or asks you for a study and declare that part just out of the integrity of of what you're doing. And the government doesn't have to do that part. No, and that's right. So to call it Statistics Canada and expect it to be accurate statistics seems like a bit of a, a loosey goosey notion on our part, but isn't, how is it so far apart, this 25% notion? Because isn't the, can't you just add up the prices and divide by, you know, the number of stores and that's <laughs> so the it's, like- it's, So it boils down to data access and that changes over time, to be honest. Uh, they don't disclose with whom they deal with. Uh, they're not allowed to. Uh, secondly, they do revise methodology. Uh, for example, shrinkflation you may have heard mm-hmm. of shrinkflation i have heard of that actually. So that we, i know a guy we, talks we, about that yeah we have <laughs> challenged statistics canada uh on shrinkflation because we actually didn't see any evidence that they were taking into consideration to me that that's the worst part of shrinkflation people are upset with smaller packages and all that 
yes, you can be annoyed by that, but at the end of the day, really, if you're not capturing the impact of shrinkflation on inflation data, you're going to be really misleading a bunch of programs we have which would rely on the CPI to compensate Canadians, to support different programs we have, social programs, important programs. And so that to me is really the big, big concern uh, that we have when it, when it comes to flawed data. And so it's okay to change methodology over time, but just say it. And so the yeah. re- I don't know if you saw the reaction uh, by Statistics Canada on our analysis. No. It's, it was, it's, it's always the same thing, Shane. So they say, well, we've changed our methodology. It's much better. It's improved now. We're going to continue to improve our methodology. And if you have concerns about the old versus the new data, use the new. Thank you. Well, of course, use the new. That's it. Use the new. Why? We like the new better. Looks better. 25% (laughs) cheaper. By the way, it's not as expensive. So in January... 2017, January 1st, according to Statistics Canada, bacon went up 32% in one month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's basically what they're telling us. Do you believe it? I'm sorry. Went down 32%, not up. Yeah. Went down. Well, it is on sale quite often. So that could be a thing. (laughs) Is is this... um... So let me ask you this. Okay, when you go to the store and in the fine print on the labeling on the shelf, there is usually a pro, like a price per gram, price per 100 grams type of at least a stable measuring stick. I'm sure it has a smart name that you academics use for it. But that's the way that you tell, is this toilet paper you know, more efficient than that toilet paper for cost? Or is this peanut butter cheaper than that peanut butter when the sizes are different? My quick maths are not that fast that I can just do that in my head when I, I see the jar and my cross multiplying has never been awesome. But should these stats not be something like that, that a cost per gram or per hundred grams, or is that how it's done? Because it seems to me like they're kind of like, it's bacon. It's bacon adjacent. It counts. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty. And and the list of uh, of food, the list of, of products is, is also now... Uh, keep in mind, there's a list of reference products, and that's what we're talking about right now. And there's also the CPI, and they're two different things. But one will influence the other. So so we don't know exactly the mechanics behind the CPI. And we've been told that it, it really includes many, many, many more products. But uh, at the end of the day, if this methodology is flawed, well, what about the CPI now? So yeah. that's why there's a bunch of questions. And you know what's troubling, Shane? You mm. know how many calls I got from media about this uh, graph? Um, troubling. You said troubling. So I'm going to say me. I'm the one who emailed you. You are the only one. That's right. Because that's it's complicated. It's complicated. Do you remember the Bank of Canada's assessment on the carbon tax? Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor McLennan, uh, McLennan actually said, the carbon tax is responsible for about 0.15% of inflation. He said that. Yep. How many maybe, How many reporters ask him for the arithmetic, the methodology that led to the 0.15? Nobody. Zero. We well, were the I ones. Mean... We were the ones. We actually emailed the Bank of Canada. Could we see exactly how you came up with the 0.15? And the answer was actually quite troubling. It basically, uh, I posted it on X, Twitter, and they basically looked at only three components of the CPI, which would include natural gas, heating oil, 
and uh, and uh, the other one is I forgot. Anyways, it's just big. It's just energy. That's it. Mm -hmm. Other CPI components, they didn't look at it. They didn't even look at the compounding effect of the carbon tax uh, on on inflation as well. So. It, wow. it was a bit misleading for the government to say something like this, this without explaining where it came from. And yeah, now but, see now but, you're making me upset now. But what's really <laughs> upsetting is that no one asked except yeah. us. Okay, well let me tell me here. Let me make you mad because you're making me mad. Um, <laughs> the, um, so even in the calculation of carbon tax and the amount of carbon and efficiency in industry, um, forestry gets measured differently for carbon tax contributions or, uh, and the carbon contributions. And they also don't get calculated into their industry. Like oil and gas is calculated everything. Forestry, not part of the calculation in my last reading said that they don't calculate how many trees they take away as part of their carbon contribution because they're actually removing the air filters from the environment. So even forestry is not measured the same way that other industry that they don't like is measured because they're taking the trees away that clean it, but that's not part of the calculation. So wow. there's an awful lot of things here that, that get really, really sideways with all of it. So it really can drive, drive you bananas with it. So let me ask you this then, because bacon. So when I go to Costco, I get 500 grams of bacon in my package. When I go to the grocery store, I get a pound at 330 or 350 or whatever that is. Would that number represent those two packages of bacon differently? Because the costs are very different. Of course. Hmm. And the answer is that I don't know. I just, See, I but just, we should know. Uh, of course, we should know. Of course. So there's lots of there's lack of clarity, lack of rigor, uh, and and there is a culture that says this Canada. We've met them many times on several issues. They don't like criticism at all, no. and so no. they they'll just defend them. And of course, we submitted all of our numbers to them officially, not through Twitter, but officially, and we should get a response within a few days. But my guess is that it's been, it's going to be just a. We, we we know what we're doing. Thank you for noticing. Uh, this is completely normal. No, it's not. You, mm. It's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. No. And so that's I why. I can tell you this. It's also not okay that I am the only person who asks questions. <laughs> that is not okay. <laughs> well, it tells you something about, you know, your, the way you educate yourself before you actually have guests. I mean, that's, uh, the research is pretty clear. And but let's face it, a lot of uh, reporters are under tremendous pressure every single day. And you, you see what's going on in media right now. They're being slaughtered. Mm -hmm. Like yep. sl every single day I see a tweet from a reporter saying, Arrivederci, I'm yep. out of the business, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It, yeah, it's not it's not an indictment on the hard work of the reporters, without a doubt, no, no, and work overload fault. and all the things. Yeah, it's not their yeah. fault. I mean, I, you can feel that they're under tremendous pressure right now, so they don't have time to investigate and look into complicated things. And let's face it, this issue is not like it's not straightforward. Hmm. Yeah, is there an outcome, or do we just look at the new list now? And by the way, we feel better about bacon. Like I said. Uh, don't get worked up about it. It's just an indicator. And if you give us six to eight months, Shane, we're going to give you a new indicator. It's going to be called the AgriFood Alex Lab Index. I like it. This is good. Okay, so in your new index, I want you to include Reese's Peanut it, Butter Cups. Build it. Build it. Well, no, but isn't that right? You know, don't wait for someone else to do it. Get the info you need. We uh, we channeled our inner Sylvain Charlebois for the game showy this week, <laughs> and Ryan stole your stats about Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and how they're the favorite. And 
I have decided, this is why I want I want a new index on Reese's peanut butter cups because of inflation, because <laughs> I don't think they're the favorite. I think that they're just so much smaller. People have to buy more of them to get satiated with them and get enough. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah. Well, they're like teasers now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, they're, they're bite sized for toddlers. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I can fit two or three of them in my mouth at one time now, so that's okay. See, you're a toddler. <laughs> but I gotta, Very true. But but I got to say, I mean, it's just uh, it's shocking that the 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 disadvantage that uh, that these companies have for Halloween is that you only see these candies a couple of weeks a year, like or three four weeks a year. So when they come back on shelves. You can see the difference, whereas other companies have the luxury to, you know, basically walk us through this mirage of seeing the same thing. But in actuality, packages are changing and quantities are mm -hmm. changing over time. So they're selling you the illusion that nothing is changing, but they can't do that with Halloween candy. And this year in particular, I mean, Rockettes. Rockettes are my favorite. How dare yeah. you shrink them? Like, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Well, I've always wondered why with, um, with cereal boxes, why they don't just uh, buy back all the existing marketing box inventory, replace it with the new stuff as opposed to having the two boxes side by side on the shelf. They would be better off from a business perspective, taking back all that cereal, doing it as a taxable donation to a food bank yeah. and getting those old boxes off the shelf because then they would save themselves all the trouble of, by the way, the box is taller and skinnier. And right. I mean, so, I mean, they're even careless in that, but I, I don't know. But still, oh, with social, now I'm just upset. But still, Shane, I mean, with social media, the, the challenge that companies have is that we have this collective memory now. We can take pictures and compare, and it's much tougher to shrinkflate products these days, to be honest, because yeah. we have this ability now to to capture uh, the past forever and all together. Mm -hmm. We're basically, we have this collective memory and so it's hard for companies to deceive us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're working hard at trying. So that's the way <laughs> it goes. Well, I look forward to learning more about the index. Uh, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois here on the shift. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the clarity and understanding. And, um, and, uh, Don't get upset. Oh. Just be cool about it. And <laughs> okay, I'm cool. I can tell you beer, beer uh, has not, last time I checked, beer has not shrinkflated. So there you go. Okay. Thank you. See, there you saved the day. That's why we're buds. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thanks for being here, man. All right. Bye-bye. This is the Shift Podcast. This week, it's a very special week with the AV Club. Ryan O'Donnell. We, we're here, friends. It's time to review a spooky movie that you wanted to watch. Not just me, you. So without further ado, let's bring out the spooky wheel. The tiny wheel actually does have spooky movies. It's so terrifying. No one seems to mind. Spooky. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we I have been reviewing horror movies all week, ones that you did not vote for. However, the one that came in second behind only to Monsters, Inc., which we'll get to, was <laughs> Jordan Peele's Get Out. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm going to quit. She can take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. 
So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Didn't see no brother around here. Get Out is one of those movies that you know something's wrong from the moment it starts, but you're not quite sure what it is. And the mystery of what is happening at this creepy family's house, then to poor, poor uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who is amazing in this film, is great. Now, the first time I saw this, when it came out in 2017, I thought it was okay. I gave it like a 7 out of 10. I thought the first half was really slow, and the last hour was amazing. On the second view, no, this movie's amazing. It's a very solid 9 out of 10. It uh, just has such fantastic pacing for a horror movie. It gets all of the tension and psychedelic weird things that you want in a thriller while also giving you great doses of classic horror movie tropes. And I really like how Jordan uses violence in this film. It's not too graphic, but it also doesn't shy away from it. It feels like it has the perfect balance to be a perfect horror thriller movie. Very, very good. Very happy we rewatched that. All right, Steve Stebbing, get out. What is it? Uh, this is the movie that made that made it possible for us to call Jordan Peele Academy Award winner Jordan Peele. He won for uh, Best Original Screenplay for this film. Um, and it's brilliant. I mean, it is a great mystery film. It's a great thriller. It's a great horror. But it's also a really, really great satire. And you can tell that Jordan Peele sat under the learning tree of great films of the 70s, 80s, and 90s and just absorbed everything to make this film so different and to be able to turn us on our head, like just, just twist our brain like this after so long in the genre uh, is just pure perfection in my mind. Now, I was tempted by the trailer to watch it, right? It, it does look very thrillery. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm, I might give it a go. I, I might. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. It seems very smart and sneaky and kind of very. thrillery mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, definitely. All right. So when we did this, I said to Ryan, I said, let's just throw something up there that's good for everybody. Like something that's not really scary. Like I get, I can't watch Harry Potter because I get scared. So I, I don't, I don't like the feeling. What could it? So, so Ryan was like, let's do Monsters Inc. Turns out y'all voted for Monsters Inc. And, uh, and I, I absolutely love Monsters Inc. So let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, step aside, kid. We're in a... Yeah! Okay, my review of Monsters, Inc. Sully and Boo are the cutest ever. That's it. End of review. (laughs) That's it? That's That's all you need? That's all you need, man. The relationship between this big, scary beast and he becomes just infatuated and caring and loving for this tiny little um, sprite of a a girl, and, and it's beautiful. Steve? Yeah, no, this is a classic. I mean, and it's one of the early big ones from Pixar. So it definitely has a a spot in our heart because, uh, I mean, it's part of the the birth uh, of Pixar. And uh, Billy Crystal and John Goodman are just a great tandem. And plus Steve Buscemi. There's so many different uh, background actors in this one. And as a game as always, spot the Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger is a voice I think, pretty much all of the Pixar film somewhere yeah thumbs up thumbs down Ryan 10 seconds or less 
That's a thumb, two thumbs up. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so that was my suggestion. If you don't like scary movies, try Monsters, Inc. It'll make you feel great. Get Out is the other one. I am tempted to watch it. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Scary movies, Halloween coming up this week. Steve, great stuff as always. Nice and accessible for everybody. Well done, sir. Thank you, my friend. This is the Shift Podcast. It's almost Halloween time, and with that comes all kinds of uh, treats, along with the tricks. Alyssa B is here, nourished.ca, which I'll share that link for everybody at shiftheads.ca, so you can link up. Your favorite for recipes and so much more. I know, go to the vegetable lady when we're supposed to be talking about candy. What a terrible idea, Shane. Well, this makes Alyssa very excited. And um, we can we can enjoy this with... Uh, having a few treats because you're you're not about cutting like you're not about like withholding things you're just about putting more good things into your life so um we can still have fun on halloween and we can include some new ideas that make it even better of course absolutely diets don't work number one deprivation number two does not work when we do that to our bodies we just end up eating more of the things that you we quote unquote and i say this with quotes that you can't have so if Halloween is your thing and your Reese's peanut butter cup is your thing, that's my thing. Enjoy it. Absolutely mm-hmm. enjoy it mindfully. Mm-hmm. Do you ever make your own like peanut butter balls or with dark chocolate or anything like that? Oh, yes. Peanut butter and chocolate is one of my favorite combinations because we have the healthy fats from the peanut butter. And dark chocolate is actually an antioxidant and high in fiber and magnesium. So I do. I have a lot of chocolate and... Um, peanut butter or almond butter recipes on my site. So if you're looking for a healthier alternative than the Reese's peanut butter cup, um, go to my site. You can find plenty. I also make such a mean ice cream chain that has no dairy in it and no refined sugar. Hmm. And it's made of bananas, cacao, maple syrup, and uh, a little bit of, and some peanut butter. That's Hmm. a really good soft serve. Okay, well, that sounds fantastic. Some great ideas there. It, one of the secrets I can tell you to Alyssa's site is if you hit the search bar and just search peanut butter, it'll bring up everything that's peanut butter. Um, that's one of my favorite yeah. things at nourish.ca. Um, okay, oh, well, here we you. are. Treats and um, and all the various things when it comes to Halloween. What are some of the ideas that we can get ourselves into some good, healthy fall eating and then get ourselves into some Halloween treats? Let's start with the fall eating. Yes, well... First and foremost, before you go to adult Halloween parties or if you're if you have kids, they're going out trick or treating or if you adult are going trick or treating as well. uh, Make sure you fuel up before you go to any of the events. Uh, Make sure you eat something hearty, something that is high in fiber and something that um, ideally has a sweet potato in it. Because sweet potatoes and beets are sweet vegetables from the earth, and they actually help satisfy those other sweet cravings. So if you have, um, I think I've I've posted it for you guys, I have a sweet potato curry, chickpea curry, and I have an almond butter chicken soup with sweet potatoes. Um, If you eat sweet potatoes, it actually helps you eat less of the candy that you'll be surrounded with during Halloween. Really? And these are easy... Yes, proven. These are easy one hit wonder and pot recipes. So like you throw all the ingredients into the one pot and let it simmer. I just made them yesterday, ironically enough, and they're tasty. They're easy. They are 
fueled with fiber and that you have got your healthy fats, you've got your greens, and you actually are nourished up and ready to trick or treat. And you won't eat as many chocolates and candies. Do you um, do you freeze any of these and save them for later, or are these more of a one-shot deal? That is such a great question. I just batch cooked last night both things that I've posted on on for shift heads, um, the, the, the chickpea, sweet potato curry, and the almond soup, and I double the recipe, and I freeze half of it. Really? So on a busy, cold winter day when, you know, you don't have a lot of time, which frankly is often, um, I just pull it out of the freezer, defrost it, and it's good as new. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is actually a time-saving nutrition hack. Cook once, eat three to four times. And you have like 11 kids, so listen to Alyssa. <laughs> I don't have 11 kids, but yeah, I do have many children, yes. <laughs> You're busy. You're very busy. That's... Okay, I was exaggerating yes. for emphasis, but you get my point. And, um, and you can batch cook <laughs> breakfasts just on that subject because it really? really does help you eat healthier. And when you eat healthier, Shane, you know you feel better. You mm -hmm. save money, you save time, and you feel your best. And that's what my philosophy is all about eating to feel good so how bad do you want to feel good is something that connects me to making these hows so much easier so mm -hmm. i doubled these recipes last night and it did not take me nearly like any less any more time than it normally would yeah well let me ask you that because the um one of the things this is not part of my plan for today but now i'm curious i mean i've noticed that right when i eat properly at home and I'm prepared, then I'm less likely to hit the drive-through or get that snack or pick up the whatever. Uh, you get a little bit better at keeping a maybe a, a protein bar or a banana with you or an apple as opposed to uh, hitting McDonald's drive-through for some French fries. I mean, that, that makes a big difference. But when it comes to breakfast, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things I've ever noticed is that when I have oatmeal with berries, um, that mm -hmm. really has a big impact on the rest of my day for eating. Um, are, is there any... What do you? What's your look on that? And and maybe some other ideas that are uh, similar or adjacent to that kind of really good foundational start breakfast. That's super mm -hmm. simple and super easy. The hardest part about the oatmeal is the dishes. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with oatmeal is is that you can literally. My husband does it because he 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 likes oatmeal a lot. Um, he batch cooks for the entire week, so he'll put two cups of oatmeal, a banana, water, cinnamon chia seeds hemp seeds and flax seeds and he'll make an entire pot of oatmeal and he eats that once a day all week long and he's made it once and all he has to do is come down and put his berries and his nuts in it once he once he heats it up um i think for those who eat breakfast some people don't like breakfast and i think it's really important to listen to your body for those who eat breakfast um it is a really amazing way to start your day because you are fueled, you're ready to go. And statistics show that breakfast eaters actually take in less calories than those that don't eat breakfast. And whether that breakfast is at 10.30 or 8.30, the timing didn't make a difference. But those people who started their day with a good, um, wholesome, uh, nutrient-dense breakfast, I'm not talking cereal and milk, I'm talking oatmeal, I'm talking eggs, I'm something talking something high uh, in protein, eat less calories and make better food choices throughout the, the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then now I'm just being selfish, but I'll go with it. <laughs> That's um, okay. <laughs> the, um, so, okay. But when I would, for by habit, 
I'm not, I was never a good mm-hmm. breakfast eater. Now, in listening to my body, I'm not quite sure that listening to my body is the answer in my case, because every time that I've sat down, if I'm at a program or I'm, I'm traveling for speaking or whatever, I will tend to look at my day and go, well, I just, I need to eat now. So if I sit down, just for time, right? So if I sit down in the morning and I have that breakfast and I'm like, well, I could just get away with a cup of coffee and a banana and call it a day. But the days when I sit down, I'm like, you know what? Nope. I'm going to have some oatmeal today or some eggs. And then off I go. Well, I realize once I get started, I'm actually quite hungry here. Finish it off I go. And then the day is always better. I always feel better anyway. So there's got to be an element in there about just maybe bad habits or dismissing, not listening to your body. I mean, I could probably argue that I am listening to my body because it just says have a banana and a coffee, but really I'm not quite sure that's what's going on. It's a little confusing. Um, It can be confusing, or you can just get into the habit of just knowing that you work better and everybody is different as in body. Um, You work better. You notice that you feel better throughout the day because you've had breakfast, right? So every person is different because everybody is different. So it's good that you know that you've just identified that when you do sit down and say like, okay, I have to eat now because this is my time to eat that you feel better throughout the day. So I would honor that and I would listen to that and I would consistently make it a habit to have breakfast. And if oatmeal is your thing, that's fantastic. Oatmeal actually oats are one of the only foods that actually help lower cholesterol levels. So if, if you are, you know, someone who's, you know, blood pressure is kind of going up and, and you have higher cholesterols, oatmeal is a great way. And I would just add some hemp seeds to that just to up the ante of protein. Cause when we have a higher protein breakfast, as opposed to more carbohydrates in the morning, it is shown that you eat fewer calories during the day and make better food choices. So try to put some hemp seeds in there and then you have upped your ante on your protein intake. Okay, I love it. All right, Halloween candy. There's not oh, many yeah, times Halloween. a year. There's not many times a year that I, I will eat a ton of chocolate. Uh, a couple of times mm-hmm. a year, especially with dad tax and all things Halloween, there is usually a little bit of a mini chocolate bar genocide that happens in my house. There is a graveyard of wrappers. It usually happens in one <laughs> sitting and then I don't touch it for a long time. But I mean, that's that's not great. I don't ever feel great after it. It's really great on my lips, right? But not so awesome. And I don't necessarily recommend taking your uh, homemade crafty treats and giving them out to strange kids because those are all the myths we hear about Halloween all the time about right. things that are you're happening. Like, oh, yeah. But if you're having a party or you're going to a party, as opposed to a giant bowl of tiny Kit Kats, um, there are some things that you have that you recommend that you could put together that are simple and easy that um, give give sweet treats without necessarily um, having what I go through, which is uh, ankle deep in chocolate bar wrappers. Yep. Well, I I have listed them on my website and I think I've um, put them out to the shift heads, but yep, there's some almond butter joys that are with cacao. There's also this puffed quinoa that I have. It's like a bar. Also, I have like six to seven like bites that you can make. There's a chocolate truffles on my website. There's a carrot cake bite that is so good. And it's made with much healthier alternatives. Listen, I like my sweet treats a lot. So I just don't use regular sugar. I use maple syrup and I try to add in, you know, carrots. I try to add in some some sweeter type vegetables so I don't end up hitting that chocolate bin and I'm just satiated. But if you do, and if you do want to have some chocolate, 
go ahead and enjoy. And just like with everything, just enjoy mindfully. Mm -hmm. Like three, be like, you know what? I'm going to have my three favorites right now. It's going to be the Kit Kat. It's going to be the Reese's and it's going to be the Almond Joy. And just make it three. And you'll notice if you are more mindful in how you're eating it, how you're approaching this Halloween candy, you won't need as many. You know, half the thrill is for the kids going out and getting them, but they forget about it. And the same thing happens for us. Once once it's out of sight, we don't really tend to, to need it anymore. It's just the week, like now, leading up to Halloween, wherever you go. I mean, even at the dentist's office, there's bowls and bowls of, of these mini chocolate treats everywhere. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Amazing. Well, that's good business on their part, isn't it? More fillings. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, you know, another tip to really help with that is that if you go to the party or if you're having the party, make sure you fuel up beforehand. Make sure you you have a dinner that's high in fiber and high in flavor. If you're if you're depriving yourself and you're keeping your foods to low fat foods and things that are like not that tasty and tasting more like cardboard and diet foods, of course, you're going to crave more foods that that you know give you pleasure and 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 really you know appeal to your taste buds and that's why the recipes that i have on my website they're all so flavorful yes they're healthy but first and foremost they're easy to make and they are really delicious Mm -hmm. uh here's something that we found and i'm curious your thoughts clearly they're filled with preservatives but costco has these bags of um dark chocolate covered dried mangoes and they're like a they're okay. like a mango strip, and uh, it's just covered yeah. in chocolate, and they're they're kind of ugly looking and different shapes and sizes. Now I'm assuming because they're in a bag and they're sold at Costco, it's probably filled with all kinds of preservatives and extra sugars and things like that. But ideas like that, I mean, that seems to me to be far more well aligned with what you're saying. If you had to go with a commercial route, um, what do you suggest there? Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree. Those are way way better. I mean, yes, those dried mangoes, um, they are. Co- coated in a bit of sugar but i would think that i don't have the ingredient list on me but i would just naturally think that it is a little bit healthier than um you know you know the hershey bar or the kit kat bar or whatnot but there are if you're looking for alternatives there are a lot of companies out there there are these keto midday snack bars that are pre-wrapped they're like a chocolate peanut butter bar that that are really much healthier but if you want to look you know, you're looking for a healthier alternative, but a store-bought one. They're coming around. They're smart sweets, which is great. They're higher in fiber. They're less in sugar. You just have to read the labels. Mm-hmm. You really just need to read the later labels and try to shy away from um, ingredients that you don't know. You know, you can't pronounce and you don't know what they are. But if you are looking for a healthier alternative and you want to dig a little bit, you can find them. They are out there, depending on what store you go to. I know Costco has... Um, pre-wrapped dark chocolate with pistachio and cranberry like little squares they're actually really good and the ingredient list is nourished approved (laughs) (laughs) nourished approved there you go i imagine that on halloween at your house all of the neighborhood kids they're like let's go here and they're like that's the nourished lady's house she gives you apples Skip your house. Yeah, no, my kids aren't really big fans of uh, of me. When they were little, I did this thing called the Switch Witch. And I used to take all of their candy and I'd switch it. I'd give them like three or four candies and I'd take it all. And then I'd like leave a treat, like a different type of like a, a toy treat underneath their pillow. They're older now. I can't do that. But 
they actually know now that if they eat too many, they don't feel well. So teaching your kids at a very young age that too much sugar makes you not feel great is probably the best life skill that you can uh, give smaller children. So all those parents who are listening and it's Halloween and coming up and it makes you kind of a little a little nervous, teach them now. Teach them mm-hmm. now to have two or three or four. Have them sit down and enjoy it. So you're teaching them mindfulness and then, you know, teach them that, you know, too much sugar and what it does to them. Because quite frankly, I haven't seen any children's behavior uh, change for the better if they've had, you know, 10 chocolates. Ask any teacher. Mm. And plus, so many of these candies, so many of these so many of these candies also have, you know, not just preservatives, but food colors and dyes in it. And it's been proven that red dye, I think it was number four, really brings out an ADHD in children. So children that are extremely sensitive, I would definitely skip the Skittles, skip those Starburst, skip the really colorful Smarties and let your children just have, you know, pure dark chocolate. You know, there are some candies that are better than than other candies. So it depends on the child. Well, and teach them politics and make sure that they um, when they go get their candy and you give them permission that they pay their dad tax and hand off some of yes, those. Yes, pay um, their dad tax. Right? See, this is the way life you, goes, friend. Brush their teeth. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, you got to pay taxes to the man. That's the way the world is going. So this is a good see, thing. Alyssa B., Go ahead. We're teaching them early. We got to talk about politics, taxes, and what sugar does to your brain and your body. That's all you need to know in life. That's really not quite, but actually a big chunk of it. Let's be (laughs) honest. Um, It's nourished.ca. The link is up at shiftheads.ca for you, Alyssa B. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shane, for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you, are you are you okay 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 are you okay with 877-399-9898 if you ever forget that phone number it's at shiftheads.ca there as well it's time for us to share some stories that'll make you ponder maybe make you shake your head share your thoughts are you okay with um F- florida men we just oh. tell you what. Let's just yeah. Let's do the thing. Let's just get this whole thing started uh, properly on a whole new foot. They have sharks in Florida and swamps and swamp sharks. You mean alligators? Maybe. Ooh, new Florida thing. New Florida. Wow, it's like a whole new day. Are you okay with Florida men? Well, I. Depends what you're asking. What, what exactly <laughs> are you asking there? <laughs> we, we owe Florida men a great deal yes, here on the ship. We do. Some of my fondest memories of working have been the times when we've covered Florida men. Like that guy. My favorite is the guy who got his arm bit off by an alligator and then survived in a swamp for 24 hours yeah. and then showed up in a trailer park and was alive and became a motivational speaker about gator attacks. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing we've ever done here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that the men's relationship to men and when men get clear on, you know, what we're best at and all those things in the world, the world becomes a better place. I think a lot of us have been sort of lost our way 
about um, living into who we are truly. And I think it's, uh, so yeah, I would suppose that, you know, uh, men's groups and men talking to men has become a really big thing nowadays. And more and more groups and clubs are starting to open those doors for people. So I'd say, yeah, if it happens in Florida, yeah. All right. Now, we've highlighted dozens of Florida stories, and Florida men in particular over the years. There are those who have defeated alligators, as Ryan talked about, other Florida men in wrestling matches and arm wrestling matches and so much more. There are Florida cars driven by men that have defeated other Florida cars. We've even talked about Florida weather. And now the men of Florida have a chance to prove themselves yet again in a battle. You can't forget this. This is Florida man Lane Pittman, the Florida man of Florida men, facing down Hurricane Florence, September 2018. Now, in six months, February 24th, Florida men from all around Florida will gather in St. Augustine to compete in the Florida Man Games. According to the game's website, events include the weaponized pool noodle mud duel, the evading arrest obstacle course, which we told you about earlier, the Category 5 cash grab, and the beer belly Florida sumo wrestling, and let's not forget the catalytic converter, two bikes, and a handful of copper pipes race against time. <laughs> Tickets are now on sale. A floor, you're going to need to expand on this, I think, Ryan, because it is a new competition. Yes. So all of the things that that reporter just listed are actual events. The catalytic converter copper wire thing. Mm -hmm. The contestants will have to carry the catalytic converter, copper wire, and other illicit stolen goods across a rally track. Of course. Uh, The sumo beer belly wrestling is sumo wrestling, but with beer bellies instead of like actually trained sumo wrestlers. Uh Uh, And yeah, it's basically just celebrating the Florida man headline in a proper competition Mm. that will showcase Ah. to the world the glory of the Swamp State. Structured competition. I'm not sure proper competition is exactly what's happening here. Who knows? People could take this very seriously or... (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Or not. Okay, that was from CBS 42, by the way. In order to win the games, these men will need to be unconventionally talented. So it's not just a competition. They say it's a -a one-of-a-kind Floridian spectacle. Now, the main events, Ryan touched on all of them. Uh, Selfies with alligators. That's another one. The insurance company doesn't love this, but we don't care, they say. There will also be a mullet contest. Heck, yeah. Appropriate. Where can I sign up? In a strange, um, but I, from who I know, who are police officers and friends who have been firefighters, this could be interesting. There will be an all-out brawl between police officers and firefighters in 911 fight night called the <laughs> Brawl of the Badges. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, it's, it's incredible. I feel like there's going to be first responders from around the world that feel that tension between themselves. They will watch this event. Mm-hmm. If you they have will. a belly, a mullet, and you're a firefighter and a police officer, you could have a really busy weekend. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that, that kind of makes you want to aspire to have a big old belly and give her, huh? <laughs> hey, take it for a rip. It's rent. pretty incredible. It's pretty <laughs> incredible. All right. Are you okay with skeletons? Skeletons. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, skeletons. It, it, skeletons are, are kind of cool. Like, I don't really find them super creepy, but I think they're memed a lot in, in millennial and Gen Z culture mm. all the time. People use skeletons for jokes. There's the spooky, scary skeleton song. And uh, yeah, the, it's it's fun. And uh, my favorite Halloween decoration, like the one that I can so clearly remember as a kid, was a glow-in-the-dark skeleton with uh, light-up eyes. And it would be on the front door every single Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I wish that did not get destroyed in the move because I totally would have brought it to my apartment. I do salute Home Depot's stuff. giant 14 footer or whatever that is. I, I want one. I saw uh, there's this uh, content creator. Her name is Allie uh, Spangolia, I believe is how you say her last name. She bought one of those and completely covered it in disco ball material. So it's a chromed out disco skeleton, and it's spectacular. Mm -hmm. I love it. I mean, skeletons are fun. They're kind of creepy. Some of them are really detailed. You wonder if they're real or not. A display of skeletons has wreaked havoc on a town in Utah, not because they're too scary or too graphic, but because they are slaying the day away. The display shows one skeleton pole dancing on a city street sign, as you would expect, with other skeletons showering it with dollar dollar bills. We're going to go tip them when we leave. We know, we know what it's like to work for tips. I know. <laughs> it all started days ago when Christopher Fugition put up the skeleton pole dancer on the city sign. He says the only backlash he received was caught on camera a neighbor who kept coming over to cut it down. Maybe a little risque for some people, but it's I just in, you know, all in the name of fun. Then the city posted the display to its Facebook page, telling him he had until 9 p.m. that night to remove it since it's against city code. I think it brings a lot of good humor that we need to a small town. The post took off. So while this skeleton was serving ones, others were serving their opinions in the comments section, writing things like, I guess teaching our children respect, decency, and manners has gone by the side. The kids understand what what that is, maybe the problem's not not the skeleton dancing on the pole, maybe it's uh, something else. Fugition moved the skeletons off city property and that night made the display even bigger, adding lights, music, and more skeletons. Neighbors are even dropping off their own decorations to add to it. Okay. Not all pole dancing is like dirty, pervy pole dancing. Like there's the um, fabric acrobatics. You see it at the circuses and stuff where there's people and they're, sure. they're spinning and rolling down and they stop just before the bottom and then they climb back up again and they're flipping and all those things. And that's not considered to be too provocative. They're doing essentially mm-hmm. the same things, just a little bit yeah. less, less lubricant. Yeah, for sure. Except in, in this specific scenario... These are some pretty sexy skeletons. Like they oh, are, okay. it is very clear that they are in a strip, like it's designed to look like a strip club. Okay. Which is, is hilarious. It looks so funny. And also it's plastic skeletons, you know, like it's just a joke. I just don't, I don't understand how, you know, you see that and you go, I don't know. Like, can I, maybe if you're a kid, mommy, what's that? That's probably an awkward conversation to have with your kid. Mm-hmm. I can maybe see it is from it that though? angle. 
Do you, do you answer that even properly? No, you just go, the skeleton is That's a skeleton uh, climbing stuck a pole, on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. He's training to be a firefighter to go down, you know? <laughs> uh, the report was from Fox 13. The display is still up on private property now. It continues to grow and expand. It remains to be seen if the residents will have a bone to pick with it further. <laughs> so question, where do they put the tips? There was like a there was a jar at the bottom of the pole mm. that had yeah that and then the uh so to describe the display at least what it looks like now there's a pole the skeleton on it with like a feather kind of shawl over it and then uh there's well probably more now but there was four or five skeletons wearing like trucker hats and their jaws like open looking like they're having a good time and they had like dollar bills kind of glued to their hands so Mm -hmm. they would like look like they're being thrown out Mm -hmm. would you ever do it pole dance yeah i mean like you've go-go did you're like the expert go-go dancer right uh, um that that's a thing so would you ever would you ever do that right i think that this is something that you should probably consider Um, i would I would maybe if maybe if like Laura and I could do like a couple's dance lesson and we, it was like a pole one. Sure. That'd be fun. Yeah, Why not? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couples. Put you in the mood. I'm, but it wouldn't be to this song. This is too fast. This is too. See, you've thought about furious. it. This is where we catch you now because you're like, I've thought about <laughs> this and this would never be my pole dancing song. Yeah. No, 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 no. This would never be the pole dancing. So, song. but this is your go-go dancing song when this you, is. when you broke your glasses, right? So this it weekend is, you could. You could go through it again. You could. If, it, if the night takes me that way. Okay. All it, uh, Tony Soprano did work and own a strip club. He did. This is true. Bada bing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking up, and I just wanted to create some other ideas, um, you know, in case you wanted to maybe get in the mood. Lizzo. I, there's actually a playlist that are the best pole dancing songs. Is how I found Lizzo and Boys. Yeah. Right. Is this better? Is this, is this how this, we talk this, into this it? This is better. This is better. Yeah. Okay. Get, get, well, you can get, get kind of sexy with it a little bit. Yeah. No, this is. I mean, this this was on the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Well, it's immediately less sexy now because it was in that movie. Mm. All right. Uh, and I went through the list and I found a whole bunch of these, which is really great. It's a sexy song, though. This is a great song. This actually came up as a pole dancing song, this one. Which I don't quite understand. You might have turned up a little bit, John. I, it's on the list. I'm just saying it seems like it shouldn't be on the list. Um... Oh no! This this actually sounds like it would kind of be like I could no. I feel like somebody could do a routine to this. You think so? Yeah. Uh, Nine Inch Nails and Closer also comes up on the list, and uh, I like being employed, so um, not going to play it. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Ryan coming up on Halloween is going to be pole dancing Tony Soprano. Yep. And um, and that's that's the image I would like to leave you with. Great. Right now. Love that for everyone. Yeah. That's fantastic. You have to ask Laura what she thinks. Yeah. I'm willing to bet I know. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's going to tell you to do it. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 